I sent my oldest son off to a youth retreat this weekend. He was hours away. And like at any time when I'm not with him, I really missed him. But with that great distance and for those several days, I was really feeling the disconnect. I'm so glad that he had his gab phone along. I was able to send him a quick text each evening to ask about his day and to tell him that I was praying for him. Have you heard of these things? The gab phones? That's gab, G-A-B-B. They look and feel a lot like a smartphone, but they aren't connected to the internet in any way. A user can call, they can text, take pictures, and even listen to music, but that's about it. With the Gab phone, I had peace of mind knowing that I could get a hold of my son all weekend, but that he didn't have access to the internet. And most importantly, the internet didn't have access to him. He wasn't scrolling social media or being sent shady photos from total strangers. He wasn't wasting time playing video games or being taken advantage of by cyber stalkers. If you too are interested in purchasing a regular cell phone that looks and feels like a smartphone for your kids, you can grab 30% off a Gab phone or a Gab watch right now. Head to GabWireless.com and use promo code mom to mom at checkout. That's capital letters. M-O-M-T-O-M-O-M. So once again, go to gabwireless.com and use promo code mom to mom Welcome to the mom to mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. First Peter 4.9 tells us to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Extending hospitality is not just a nice thing for us to do. It is direct obedience to the command of God. Yet. Sometimes it feels like drudgery, if we're honest. I like this quote about biblical hospitality from the book, The Simplest Way to Change the World. Ordinary does not equal insignificant. We must remember that the church has progressed for two millennia on God's power at work around ordinary kitchen tables and living rooms. Hospitality at its core is a simple act of faith that takes our eyes off the results and puts them squarely on Jesus. Teaching our kids hospitality or generous living flows from our everyday lives and not just the singular stress-filled moments of hosting company or entertaining guests. It begins in the heart and how and what we think of others. How we view our own possessions and our actions, the only art to hospitality and generous living we can teach our children is this act of selfless giving and a posture of humility with what we have been given. Today, Kate, Jamie, and I We're going to chat about how to live this out and what it looks like in the life of a child and in our homes. So let's begin with this misconception that hospitality is only within the walls of our homes. And how can we live a generous life with our children? Well, actually, if you look to scripture, the biblical definition of hospitality relates to loving others just as much as you love yourself or as well as you love yourself, especially loving strangers. It comes out of Leviticus 19.34, which reads, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. 
for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. There's actually no mention of home in that passage. Not to say that hospitality can't happen at home, but that it can actually happen anywhere. Later in the Old Testament, we read of some specifics of hospitality, and they're found in Deuteronomy 14, verses 28 through 29. And that reads, at the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. Hospitality was a command given by God in order to ensure the care of people like the priests, the sojourners, the widows, the orphans, anyone who would normally be overlooked by society. And I think our Western definition of hospitality is really quick to apply it to hosting friends like in our house, people we know, people we naturally love already. And I think That's definitely included in hospitality, but we have to remember that its primary purpose originally was that the Israelites, God's people, could show love to those who were not normally being cared for. Obviously, we need to model hospitality to our kids. If we want them to learn how to be hospitable, they're going to see us doing it, hopefully, and learn from our modeling. We need to allow them to see what it might look like. What does hospitality look like? We also can invite them into our hospitality efforts, showing them both the burden and the blessing of hospitality and allowing them to see how their gifts are needed here in this very moment with these people, helping them to see where their talents and their skills and their passions, all of those things that God has given them and his command to be hospitable collide. So we're showing them where their skills and his command line up. And that even at a young age, like two and three, their skills can line up with hospitality, but they need to be shown that. And then as they mature and they practice those skills of hospitality alongside you, they can then be encouraged to show hospitality all on their own, but they have to see it come through in us first. Exactly, Jamie. It begins with what we model. And like I say, over and over on this podcast, what we model, our children will follow. When our children see us being generous with them and with the people in our lives, they will hopefully be generous with others. Hospitality is showing love to others. It's really, it's love in action. You know, when we're quick to jump in and help when asked for help, or when we do a task that needs to be done, maybe the task that no one else really wants to do, but they see us do it with joy and with a good attitude, it gives them Christ-like behavior that they can copy. I love that the Greek word for hospitality is philoxenia, and it literally means love for strangers, like Jamie was saying. And we need to teach our children to be intentional with kindness. We can show them that by reaching out to other families to help when they need help. For example, you know, a new family moves into the neighborhood and they need help getting things set up in their new home, or maybe they could use a meal, something simple like that. Or maybe they just need help with their kids for a few hours while they get some things done. Helping out that way is hospitality. It's not always just having people to your home or a friend has a new baby. We can bring a meal or offer to babysit or clean their house. That's hospitality too. It is so much more than just having people over. It's 
I think of it as giving yourself away in love and simplicity for another's good. It's putting yourself out for another, sometimes even when you don't feel like it. And I think that's the hard part and maybe why Peter added to do it without grumbling, because sometimes hospitality is just hard. Sometimes you're not in the mood for it, or maybe you've overcommitted and the timing isn't great, or your kids are acting up, or any one of a million things that can go wrong has gone wrong. But those are the times when our children are watching how we handle it, the times when it's hard and it doesn't fit neatly into our schedules, the times when it costs us something. But those are the times to really dig deep, let your children see you follow through without grumbling or complaining. Eek, I feel like some of our listeners are feeling some conviction because our <laughs> most of our podcasts, you know, we want to be encouraging, but don't you think with most of spiritual growth and biblical guidelines and comes along some conviction. And I feel like hospitality is one of those things, you know, just sometimes we just have to step back and think, why am I not doing this? And Kate, your quotes and your thoughts there, I totally agree with Jamie, helping us to see really, truly what hospitality is and how we can live a generous life with our children. I feel like that's really the key to our whole podcast today is that seeing hospitality is not just as an adult or parental role that this is something we can do with our children and teach them how to do this. And let's unfold that a little and talk about some practical ideas to teach our kids about how they can love others well. Because if it's not just about serving and making a meal and opening up our homes, what are some practical ways that they can love others? Well, before I share those, I just want the mom who maybe does feel convicted and slightly overwhelmed to hear us when we say it doesn't have to happen in the home. And that can be really freeing. I think it should happen in the home at times, but maybe you are in a season where that feels very overwhelming and you want to start somewhere. So like Kate was saying, hospitality is just love and action. And that can look a lot of different ways. Hopefully you'll be inspired by something we share here today. I think if it is in the home and you're trying to model that hospitality to your kids and you're inviting them to join you in that, I think you need to have some practical jobs or practical ways that they can love others at their age level, like even your two and three-year-old. So that could look a lot of different ways, but it could be as simple as like greeting your guests at the door. You know, a little child can take a coat. They can show a guest where the bathroom is or where to put their things, where to take off your shoes if you feel more comfortable doing that, or put your purse. Little ones can do that. When my kids were little, and they still sometimes do it today, but we have this vintage chalkboard. It's the board I always use for the first and last day of school to write a little sign and take a picture. But otherwise, throughout the year, it just sits unused. And when they were little, anytime we had a guest over, they would ask to make a sign with chalk. And I think part of that was just they loved using chalk and it gave them an excuse to do it. But they would write, you know, welcome to the Brinks family or welcome to the Smith family and then set it right outside the door. And just that little tiny act of tangible visual love certainly was very welcoming to our guests, but also made my little ones feel like I need it here. My skills matter here. I can love these people well in the way that I am able to do that. I think that kids of all ages can be encouraged to, you know, gather up some specific toys, especially if there's little ones coming over with, with a family and they have toddlers or babies. Hey, go gather up a few toys and put them in this basket so that when this family comes, their little ones will have something to play with. And if nothing else, they can always be encouraged to invite 
the little ones to their room to play, to share their toys. And in that small way, they are being the welcoming, hospitable hostess and hostesses for their space. I think outside of the home, if you're trying to model hospitality and encourage that in your kids, you know, you can encourage your kids to rush up and hold the door for some oncoming, you know, if you're going to the grocery store or the library, you know, rush up, you see that, that mom with all those little kids in behind her, rush up and hold the door for her. That's hospitable. When you see somebody's hands are full, they can offer to carry the item. Even just something as simple as looking someone in the eye that's hospitality. I know I'm always encouraging my kids when we're out at a restaurant and the server comes to our table. I want you to be able to tell me at the end of this meal what our server's name is and what color their eyes were. Because then they're really paying attention to the person and they're not treating this server as a servant. And so they, they're mindful to look the server in the eyes and then read the name tag, listen when they introduce themselves. And that way, when they're talking to the server at the table, they can say, oh, thank you so much, Rachel or Steve or whatever. It's teaching them to really value people. I'll give you two examples of different instances in my kids' lives where I thought, you know what? They're getting it. They're owning hospitality. Perhaps these will be an inspiration for another mom out there for a way that they can encourage their kids. A couple years ago, we started this practice at church where my boys would bring umbrellas, extra umbrellas, any church day where it was raining. And it rains kind of often where we live. And so they'll bring their umbrella to church and then stand at the door, the front entry of the church. And when they see a family come up to curbside, you know, that the husband's trying to drop off all his kids and his wife so they're not getting wet, or they see a family needing to go out to their car, they'll rush out with their umbrella and hold it so that this mom or these kids don't have to be soaked. It's just one tangible way for them to show, hey, you're welcome here. I'm inviting you here and welcoming you. And then not too long ago, I was at Aldi with my daughter and we were standing in line and we heard a mother and her two babies a few lines over and her little ones were obviously at their limit. They were really tired and they wanted everyone around them to know it. And without being asked, my daughter stepped out of line and she quietly walked over to this exasperated mother and offered to hold one of her crying babies while she checked out. And she just held out this real tangible love to a stranger. And in that way, she was volunteering to be like the physical hands and feet of Jesus. And that's really all hospitality is. It doesn't have to be this grand gesture. Sometimes, you know, you can show big love in really small ways and encourage your kids to do so. I love that, Jamie. And I can so see your daughter doing that. What a beautiful gift she offered that mom. You know, as Peter admonishes us in 1 Peter 4.10, and as we've said, be hospitable to one another without complaining. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. This is a good one for us all to learn. And also, Paul says in Romans 12.13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So if we're to seek to show hospitality, that means we're to look for opportunities and not just begrudgingly do it when we feel like we have to do it. We want to do it out of love, honoring the other person. And if our attitudes aren't loving, then we're missing the point. Love is an action, not a performance. 
also, if our lives are not our own, as scripture teaches, I think it's important to model that our stuff is not our own either, meaning we need to share easily with others, lend when asked, give whenever we can, and help others without expecting anything in return. So when folks come over, we want to give them our best, right? Our best food, our best behavior, which I think includes good manners, which I don't know about you girls, but they just seem to be sorely lacking today. For some reason, I cannot understand, but you know, maybe we should do an episode on that, on manners and how to teach those to your kids. And we let the children who are visiting, like you said, Jamie, pick the first toys they want to play with. Let them be the ones to pick, things like that. And that's hard for kids, especially when they're little. They don't want to let Johnny play with their favorite toy, but we need to teach them and train them, you know, let the other child have first choice of what's in the toy basket to, you know, teach them to put others first. And it can really be hard for little ones to learn these concepts. But I think the earlier you begin teaching them to give their best, the easier it's going to be and the more natural it will become. Let them see you easily sharing and giving. And I think they're going to want to do it too. And if we start to set that example in the family, it will flow a little more naturally as they start to have friends over and it won't be so difficult when kids come over. Yeah. Our society really frowns upon manners. They feel like that's really stuffy and showy, but manners are just practical love. It's just a way to defer to someone else. And that's another thing, deference. You were saying, you know, encourage your child to let the other child pick the toy first. I think we can encourage them in deference in every area in hospitality, you know, letting Mm -hmm. the other, the members of the other family line up to serve themselves at the buffet line. Anytime that we can example and model deference, Mm -hmm. we're modeling hospitality. It's humility. It's, It's taking the lower place, which Jesus modeled all the time. And we just don't want to do that in our society. Who wants to do that? But that's what Jesus taught. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is good. That is so good. And I find, you know, we shared a lot of really good ideas, girls, for the younger ages. Now that I have kids in middle and college and high school, I have found that I've had to work through some maybe attitude with, well, you're entertaining and we get stuck with the cleaning and the workload. And why are we always doing this? Why do we have to watch the little kids? Why are we, this was your idea, not mine. And, you know, I'm going to be transparent and say, these things will happen. You know, I mean, it's not just in my home that we all have internal attitudes. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes we just don't show them, but teens, you know, most likely will share their open and honest opinion with you. And we're a really hospitable family. Like we entertain, we do outreach, we do, we try to live generously. So this comes up a lot. And I think the key for these ages is to really work on how our kids see other people, you know, how they see other people and how they see themselves. They're thinking too highly themselves. They think they're beyond, you know, helping or serving or showing love to someone else. Then that's a real root issue. And I usually work on those things as well. So this isn't just a matter of doing, it's really a matter of the heart. I think for me in my home, as our children have gotten older, there's always that bump in the road with every child because not everyone's comfortable with a lot of people or not everyone's comfortable going out of their comfort zone and everyone has their own comfort zone. So if we're speaking to moms of younger children or middle high school, college, I think recognizing and being aware, it's not just your child that is going to feel these feelings. 
but that this is actually a great opportunity to work on how they view the gospel. What does it really look like to live like Jesus and to show other people who he was and what we believe? And I and I feel like it comes out in those later ages. So if this is you and you're listening and you're dealing with those things, be encouraged because now my kids are older. Some of my children are older and they are so hospitable. They have something going on all the time. They always are thinking about this. And my husband said, we've raised hospitable, generous living people. So you can expect there's always going to be something. And it's really exciting to see that now all the time. They're living out what we worked so hard in those hurdles. So I just wanted to add that, you know, if you're in raising kids in the age demographic, it's possible. It's possible to do this with them. But, you know, small children, middle-aged children, busy lives, finances, and sometimes even our spaces we use as hurdles or roadblocks that we attribute to our inability to show hospitality. So let's quickly talk about some creative ways to step over those hurdles. I think when we find ourselves making excuses, and I'll just say that, and I know that sounds harsh, but if we're being really honest, those, those are all the excuses that we would give for why we can't be hospitable. If we find ourselves making excuses like that, we have to ask ourselves, am I thinking about myself or am I thinking about my guest and what will make them feel cared for and loved? And and I'm being honest, whenever I feel like, oh, my space isn't big enough or my house isn't clean or my, my rooms are too small or my budget is too limited to supply food, you see the common word in all of those excuses is me. If given the choice, I think most people would probably choose care over more couch space. You know, they're coming to your house and they don't really care how small your space is. What they really care about is that they feel seen and known. For about the first 13 years of our marriage, my husband and I and our kids, all five of them, so there were seven of us, lived in 900 square feet. And we had one bathroom and there were seven of us. And yet we had people over at least twice a week, at least in all of that time, all 13 years, I can tell you that we never had anyone complain about how crowded it was. And during those years, I'll admit there were some lean years when we definitely had more month than money and we didn't have the budget to serve anything fancy. No one ever complained about what we did serve. In fact, one time I remember I served grilled cheese sandwiches because That's all we had. And do you know, the single woman that I had spontaneously invited over for lunch after church one day, thanked me after the meal with tears brimming in her eyes. And I, I served her grilled cheese sandwiches and I was, you know, certainly a bit embarrassed that that's what I served her, but that's what I had. And she came to thank me on her way out the door with little tears in her eyes. It wasn't because the room was small or that she didn't like the sandwich or because my house was, wasn't as clean as maybe it could be. She had tears in her eyes because she felt so seen and known and loved. She was brand new to our community and didn't really know anyone. And so to be offered that invitation to come and sit at my table, my you know peanut butter and jelly smeared table and eat grilled cheese sandwiches, that meant something to her. If it makes you feel real comfortable tidying up before guests come, great, do it. But don't wear yourself slap out. 
Otherwise, the next time you have an opportunity to be hospitable, you're going to give it a hard pass. You're going to talk yourself out of it because you'll remember how hard it was and how much work it was the first time around. So don't bother hiding your laundry pile or your dirty dishes, because unless you're some kind of mythical creature, we all know that you wear clothes and that you eat food like a human and will have dishes. So just be willing to maybe be vulnerable enough to invite someone else over despite the conditions, knowing that really we all just want to be seen and known and loved. Just a couple of quick ideas for maybe how to do that. And I I will say in episode 17, we shared a lot of ideas for hospitable living. So if you're really curious and you want some more tips, I'd really encourage you to go back to that episode and listen. But just a few to add here. I'd really encourage you to budget for hospitality, you know, forego some of those extras in your month. And I, and I lived those lean years, so I didn't really have a whole lot of extra, but by just putting a dollar or two extra in the grocery budget, that will add up. Then you'll feel more inclined to welcome people over knowing that it's not going to break the bank. You've already kind of set some money aside specifically in your month to be hospitable. Make group activity centerpieces a priority. And what I mean by that, you know, your kids are at a certain age and chances are the people that you invite over will have children around the same ages as your kids. When you're purchasing birthday gifts or Christmas gifts for your kids, consider getting something that would be a shared experience that could be used for a large crowd. And then be sure to continue to update those things So that as your kids grow, the activities grow too. I want my home to be a place where my kids' friends want to come. And if I want that, if that's my goal, I need to provide activities for these friends to interest them. I want them to be here and, you know, not over there doing who knows what. So let me give you an example. Once we started having teens and our kids were growing up, my husband and I looked around and thought, there's not a whole lot of things here at our house for large groups of teens. We've gotten to this next stage of parenting, but we need to have activities to reflect that so that teens want to come here. So we bought a secondhand pool table. It was super cheap because, you know, somebody wanted to get rid of it. And we cleared out a portion of our basement to put that down there because we thought that's an activity that a group of teens would want to do. For Christmas, we gave one of our kids a dartboard. They can't play darts by themselves, but it was an opportunity to purchase something that other teens, both ours and our friends, could come and enjoy. Definitely be looking for ways that you can incorporate some group activity centerpieces into your home. And then be sure to invite others from different stages of life than you. It's real easy, like we were saying at the beginning, to invite your friends over, people with kids your same age. Be willing to look around and invite those who probably don't receive a lot of invitations or maybe are just in a different life stage than you, like the retired widow in your church, your neighbors across the street who have babies, even though maybe you only have teenagers, the single mother the single guy at your church, the college age student, be looking for opportunities to invite somebody outside your normal circle. It's like that scripture verse that we shared at the beginning. You're inviting the sojourner, the widow, the orphan, the fatherless. And with that invitation, as you're inviting people of all different walks of life over to your home, 
be willing to maybe keep some of the things that your kids have graduated out of, like toddler toys and baby toys. Maybe if you have a high chair or a playpen, store those away, stash them away. So that way, when you are inviting the young mother, you know, you might not be have a need for a playpen anymore, but if you have a young mother over, she will be much more apt to feel at ease and feel welcomed if she knows that when her baby is tired and needs to take a nap, there's a place for him to take a nap. So don't just chuck all of those things that your kids outgrew to the curb. Be willing to stash some of them away so that you can invite others in different seasons and stages of life. Great advice, Jamie. You know, we can make excuses all day long as to why we can't show hospitality. But the fact is, as we've said, we're to show hospitality without grumbling. It's a biblical command, whether we like it or not. And if we don't practice it with intention, we're in disobedience. So we need to make it a practice in our lives. And it can be as simple as Jamie said, as having a few friends over to play once a week, even. And all you really need to do if you have kids over, just provide some simple snacks. That doesn't have to be a big deal. Maybe some iced tea for the mom if she's going to stay or have a new family from church over for a backyard barbecue with hot dogs and hamburgers. That's inexpensive. That doesn't take a lot of preparation, something simple like that, or have a game night with really simple snacks or make a meal for the new mom down the street, or maybe just offer to watch her older kids for an afternoon to give her a break. You know, there are so many small things that you can do that are not expensive, but you can do them with love and a gracious heart that don't cost a lot, that don't take a lot of time, but they do model hospitality to your children. You want to make a consistent habit of hospitality that fits into your budget. But like we said, you do have to budget for it if finances are tight. Yep. Those are great tips. One thing that I've discovered in where we live and in circles that I'm in and also through life experience is that if you find the right people or you think accurately about hospitality, you don't always have to be the one to have someone over. So a really neat thing that I've mentored other women into thinking this way is that if you want to have a women's Bible study, but you can't host, maybe your kids have to go to bed on time and you don't want to be distracted by that, but you really want to have a Bible study, reach out to another person, ask if they'll host, offer to bring the food, offer to bring your teens to help with childcare. Your husband can stay home with the little ones and put them to bed. It, it's, it can be a group effort as your friends and your family. It doesn't always mean you have to have someone come into your home. We have a group of families that we want to get together. And sometimes I really don't want to host. I've had a very busy day of homeschooling. I won't have time to clear off all the books where we've been living. The dishes aren't clean. I have no groceries in the fridge, but we really want our kids to get together and have this time of fellowship after youth group or something like that. And my friend says, why don't you all come to my house? And then the next person offers to bring the food. And someone says, well, I'll set up a game. So kind of farm out these pieces of hospitality to your family and to your peers and your people in your church and make it happen. Don't let one piece or one ingredient shut you down. It's been a huge thing in our area. I've seen mom groups and Bible studies happen this way because someone says, well, I want to have a Bible study. I don't want to lead, but I can host it. And so another woman comes over into this woman's home who's willing to open up her doors. Maybe she's in a different season of life and someone else leads it and someone else brings the food. And it's a beautiful picture of what true hospitality is. I just want to take a minute, maybe one of you, Kate or Jamie, because of time want to share maybe a story 
or a short snippet of how God convicted you of this in your own home, in your life? Well, I can just piggyback on what you just said about maybe not wanting to host or maybe wanting to lead something. I'm the one who wants to host, but I don't always want to lead something. And that was really birthed out of the fact that I don't see well at night to drive. And yet I still want to do all the fun things that people are offering. So I just had to kind of learn over the years, if I want to do it, I need to host it. And I don't mind having people come over because that means I don't have to drive. Look around your circle, mama, and see if there's anybody like me in your circle who maybe would really love to go to that thing or to experience that Bible study or to have coffee with friends, but she can't get out for whatever reason. Maybe they're a one car family or like me, she doesn't drive well at night. So don't underestimate that. I think I've always loved having people over, but I definitely began to see things differently, see hosting differently. When I met my friend Shannon about 18 years ago, she definitely showed me the difference between entertaining and biblical hospitality. She didn't necessarily let her house look like a pigsty, but she had no problem inviting others over when she had you know, dishes in the sink, laundry on the couch, crumbs on the floor. She didn't mind if you dropped in unexpectedly that wasn't an irritant to her or it didn't feel invasive to her because to her opening the door to anyone was an opportunity to love people well and to introduce them to the savior that's how she saw hospitality gathering around her tiny little table in her tiny little kitchen you got a sense of what it was like not just to belong to her family but to belong to God's family because she displayed that in her home. She hosted barbecue block parties and sports events and sent welcome snacks to new neighbors in the neighborhood. And I can tell you her budget was very tight. I'm not exaggerating when I say she was living well below the poverty level at this time in her life, but she never let that stop her from finding ways to welcome people, to love people. And so I'm not at all surprised now years later when her kids are all in their teens, two of them are off at college and she has one left at home. She has found time, found free time to take a job for the local citywide soup kitchen. And so she's using those skills of loving others well and showing them Jesus every afternoon down at the soup kitchen, serving up dinner to the least of these, the sojourners, the widows, the orphans, all the people that God mentions in those verses in Leviticus, and she's doing it well. You know, the Lord convicted me early on that hospitality was my gifting and I needed to use it for ministry, especially for other moms. And I think because I just had one child, I had the ability and the time to have moms over and host get togethers. For me, it was always easy to have people over because I love to cook and I grew up in a time period and in a home where having people for dinner and having people over was just a normal practice. Today, people seem so scared to have folks in their houses. They just, I think, Jamie, like you're saying, they they think everything has to be perfect, but honestly, it doesn't. They will be thrilled to be invited no matter what shape your house is in, though, I do suggest you do your best to pick up a little bit, but you know, hey, if you have small children, trust me, they will understand because they probably have small kids too, or if not, they've had them and they know. But I think the main thing is to make the effort to do something and to not let fear stop you. We can get so afraid of what people might think it can lead us right into disobedience. And that's never a good thing. 
And honestly, if you're worrying that your house doesn't measure up, well, maybe pride is the issue. And we're all going to deal with that at some point, believe me. But just bite the bullet and do it. Your kids will love it. You can totally involve them. If you're going to have people over, involve your kids. Let them be the hosts. Let them set the table. Let them make fun snacks, clear the dishes. They can come up with a craft or a game. They will be thrilled, I promise you. But mama, you have to get over your fear and step out and do it. You will be so glad you did. And you will have modeled hospitality for your children. And you will have really set an example and set them on the road where they want to do it. So get going. I know you can do it. I think hospitality is for such a time as this. Like Kate, you just said, people living in the 21st century are afraid to have others over. They don't do it. It's not happening. Hospitality is a bygone thing. And I think that that makes Christian hospitality that much more provocative to the world. Mm -hmm. They notice it because it's not something they see exemplified Mm -hmm. in their regular normal circles. Mm -hmm. And I think especially if they're non-Christians that you're having over, what a great witness, you know, not to necessarily witness to them, but just to witness love and hospitality and giving and, you know, with no agenda, you just have them over and love on them. Mm -hmm. They might not have experienced that before. And it might give an opportunity to share the gospel or just to talk about things that maybe they don't typically talk about in their lives. Who knows? Mm -hmm. You never know what can come of it, but what a great opportunity to share with the atheist couple down the street. You just don't know what could come of that, but what a great opportunity. I love our conversations. I hope that every mom listening feels the same way I do, like a fresh drink of water, like, okay, I can do this, the encouragement and the hope and maybe the motivation to just try something maybe today and tomorrow. But I want to close with a quote from Rosaria Butterfield. She wrote in her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Practicing Radically Ordinary Hospitality in Our Post-Christian World. And she says, Engaging in radically ordinary hospitality means we provide the time necessary to build strong relationships with people who think differently than we do, as well as build strong relationships from within the family of God. Because it is not just us here, because you have chosen company with hurting people who have your house key, you're not going to let your guard down. Your children are learning how to live and share the gospel with fluency and how to love it before a watching world. That is so good. So we will be sure to link this book and a few others in our show notes for this episode. We know the struggle is real. We know the enemy's efforts to halt us in our tracks of insufficiency and doubt. We've all had those. So we would encourage you to begin with prayer and a humble heart before the Lord and with your children to see others as Christ sees them and to see your possessions and time as an offering he has given for you to share. Thanks for listening today. We are always so glad you're here.